0: Hey, this is Chelsea Emery from Christ Walk Church, and this is our podcast. For more information about our church, visit thechristwalk.com. We hope this message encourages you to live for something more. Thanks for listening. And how's everybody doing this morning? Yeah. So good to be in the house. For those of you that are watching with us online, we're so, so glad that you are here with us as well. If you got your Bible or a smart device, I want to invite you to turn with me or swipe with me to um, the Old Testament, two books in. We got Genesis, Exodus. So we're going to land in Exodus chapter 20 here in just a moment exodus chapter 20 um this week i was thinking about my time my days back in preschool anybody did anybody go and experience preschool maybe you have a child that that is in preschool or or you've sent to preschool preschools are they are a unique environment like it's it's where it's it's theoretically okay for children to eat paste Um, in a preschool environment nobody really like looks down upon that or thinks it's weird um, if that is happening um, if raise your hand if you were that kid no no one no some of you are pointing fingers at people trying to um I can remember my time in in preschool I I like to play with the play-doh I got any fans of play-doh here I remember we had like the little thing you know and you would like squeeze it through and it would make all the little snakes and the different shapes and stuff and um we had the mcdonald's play set where you could make you know different uh you you'd you'd make like the burger bun and the patty and all the toppings and you would build it all out of play-doh and everything and and i'm uh admittedly i'm a little bit ocd um everything has a place and every place has a thing And when it comes to Play-Doh, you know, you got your primary colors that you bought. Like now they have all neon colors and all kinds of crazy stuff. Back when I was a kid, it was four colors. You had red, blue, green, and yellow. That was it. That was all that you got. And so we would have those. And and as a kid, when I would play with Play-Doh, well, the yellow went into the yellow tub, and the red went into the red tub, and the blue went into the blue tub and the green went into the green tub and those never mixed with each other but there was always that one kid you know who he is you can picture him in your mind right now maybe you were that kid who you would get the yellow and the green and the red and the blue and you would go and ruin it for everybody because now you got brown and let me just tell you brown play-doh there's only one thing you can make out of that and ain't nobody want to play with that okay and that's how it was you would have the wink kid; he would ruin it for everybody because he would just try to squeeze it all together and instead of having these nice different colors you would just end up with this yucky brown mess and i got to thinking about that and i i, I begin to wonder is that how you and i try to live our lives sometimes that rather than keeping things where they are supposed to be and compartmentalizing and categorizing what we've done in our quest to live more full and robust lives, we've allowed the lines to blur and now all of a sudden things begin to overlap and what belongs over here is now over here. And what should be over here is now leaking over into this. And so what happens is, is because we refuse to live lives of separation and, Propriety, we end up creating a mess. And that mess that we're creating is what we've been talking about the fact that we're choosing to live lives that are overcommitted, overworked, overconnected, and overspent. This has led the vast majority of us, the vast majority of people, particularly within the United States today, many of you identified yourselves as this back in part one of this series. The mess that we are creating is causing us to identify ourselves as busy and tired. So the question that we've been looking at in this series that we're calling Over It is, is this, is busy and tired how you and I were created to, how we are supposed to live? And if not, then how can we overcome it? How can we rise above it because i believe that this is how we're supposed to live it's what jesus said in matthew eleven twenty eight. 28 he said come to me all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens and i will give you rest rest that's what we're after And I don't necessarily equate rest with the big wad of brown Play-Doh. I don't think those two things go together. I think that Jesus had something different in mind, and that's what this series is all about. Back in week one, a couple weeks ago, We talked about slavery. We talked about how you and I, that we are going to be slaves. We are going to serve something. It's just a matter of what you and I choose. And ultimately, we are choosing between the pursuit of mammon, which is earthly gain, earthly success. It's empty. It's worthless. We're choosing our pursuit of mammon or our pursuit of God. And pursuing mammon ultimately leads to death and destruction. But pursuing God produces a life full of righteousness that ultimately arrives at eternal life. Last week, we talked about if we're going to combat this slavery to mammon in our lives, that one of the first steps that we have to take is to slow down we took a look at psalm 46 which reminds us to be still and know that i am god we talked about rapha and yada and creating margin in our lives rather than choosing to live a life that is full of hurry and today i want to talk to you about a topic that is incredibly important, incredibly meaningful to my life. It's something, it's an area of my life that the Lord has been challenging me in for um, about a year and a half now, and so I've got a lot of things that I could say about this subject, a lot of things that I can, that I could talk about, but I'm going to try to do my best to, to kind of organize my thoughts and, and, and uh, get them, get us moving down the path that, that uh, can help us here this morning. And that's on the topic of Sabbath, the topic of Sabbath. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. We're gonna be talking about Sabbath today. And no doubt when you hear that word, when you when you think about the word Sabbath, there's some, uh, some preconceived notions that, that may come to mind depending on who you are, where or how you were raised, some things that you may think about what the Sabbath is and how it might apply to your life. The Sabbath uh, gets its origins from, um, from a couple Hebrew words that literally mean to cease, to rest, or to celebrate. To cease, to rest, or to celebrate. And we first learn about this concept of Sabbath all the way back at the beginning of the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 2. It's a part of the creation narrative where over six days, God creates the heavens, the earth, and everything that is in them. the, The entire world, the universe as we know it. And then the Bible tells us that on the seventh day, he rested that he set a precedent there right at the beginning of scripture then that comes into greater focus uh, as we fast forward to exodus chapter 16 when Um, The, 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 the people of Israel, they have escaped slavery from Egypt and Moses is their leader and he is leading them through the wilderness toward the promised land. And they're trying to figure out what they're going to eat while they're out in this wilderness. And so every morning God rains down manna from heaven and they pick it up off the ground. And that is their food source, their food supply. But on the sixth day of every week, they get a double portion that carries over then for the seventh day. And on the seventh day, they don't go out and collect manna. God doesn't bring manna down from the sky. So on the sixth day, they get a double portion that carries them over for the seventh And then it ultimately becomes full circle and becomes a part of the covenant of God with the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 20, where it shows up as the fourth of what you and I know as the Ten Commandments. And so that's where we're going to use as our launching point for this morning. So hopefully you've turned there, Exodus chapter 20. um, We're going to read verses 8 through 11. It says, remember, everybody say remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Say, keep it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons, your daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, and any foreigners living among you. For in six days... The Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them, but on the seventh day he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now, it's important for us to understand before we go any further that not only is the Sabbath Uh, To remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. Not only is that one of the Ten Commandments, but it's uniquely positioned within the Ten Commandments. The first three commandments have to do with our relationship and the way that we interact with God the last six commandments have to do with our relationships with and the way that we interact with other human beings and so there we have the sabbath day remember the sabbath and keep it holy right there in between those first three dealing with our relationship with god the final six dealing with our relationship with other humans and so we have the the sabbath day right there in the middle bringing balance to our relationship with God and our relationship with people, okay? So it's important for us to know that so that we we have a foundation for us to build upon when we're talking about the Sabbath. And so if you're taking notes, maybe you want to write some of these things down um, because whenever you hear the Sabbath, like I said, you probably have some ideas of what you believe that that actually means, You've heard some stuff, maybe you've heard it preached, maybe you've experienced it, maybe you've read it from scripture or whatever, but we all kind of, when we hear that word Sabbath within the church circle, we're bringing to the table some preconceived notions. So let's talk for a minute about what the Sabbath is and also what the Sabbath is not. First off, it's not just a day of worship. I know when we hear Sabbath, that's what a lot of people think, oh, that's the day we go to church for an hour or two and we worship. No, it's it's not just a day of worship. Worship is definitely part of the Sabbath, but as Christ followers, for those of us that have placed our hope and trust in Jesus Christ, we've, we've chosen to live surrendered to him as Lord and Savior of our lives. Worship is not just something we do that's relegated to one day a week. Worship is something that our lives should be marked and identified by on an ongoing basis 20 four seven our lives as christ followers should be permeated with the worship of god so sabbath it's not it's not just talking about oh that's when we go to church or that's when we worship sabbath is it's identified by ceasing from regular daily activities and choosing instead to rest and as I mentioned before, it was a central part of God's covenant with Israel. And if you, were, if, if you were a Hebrew or you were a Jew all the way back in the Old Testament, to break this covenant law of God with, uh, in terms of the Sabbath, it was actually punishable by death. They would drag you out into the street and stone you. So hopefully that gives you an idea of, of the seriousness with which God takes this and 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 what we're communicating about today in in Exodus 31 this is pointed out Exodus 31 it says the, the Lord then gave these instructions to Moses, tell the people of Israel, be careful to keep my Sabbath day for the Sabbath is a sign of the covenant between me and you from generation to generation. So it was an ongoing covenant. It is given so you may know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. You must keep the Sabbath day for it is a day, uh, it is a holy day for you. Anyone who desecrates it must be, here, 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 it, here it is, must be put to death Anyone who works on that day will be cut off from the community. It continues in verse 15. It says, you have six days each week for your ordinary work, but the seventh day must be a Sabbath day of complete rest, a holy day dedicated to the Lord. Anyone who works on the Sabbath must be put to death. There it is again. The people of Israel must keep the Sabbath day by observing it from generation to generation. This is a covenant obligation for all time. It is a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. But on the seventh day, he stopped working and was refreshed. So we see that the goal there, the reason God is taking this so seriously is because he wanted his people to be refreshed and being the God that he is, he was not asking them to do anything that he did not do himself. He was God. Do you think he needed to take a day off? No, but he did to set the precedent and the example for how his people were supposed to behave. So it's a day of complete and total, it's, it's ceasing from our regular activities and it's choosing rest. The Sabbath is not just Sunday. The Sabbath is not just Sunday. And, and there's, there's, many, there's a great deal of arguments between theologians and scholars and uh, various denominations about this about what day should we designate as the Sabbath. And some say Saturday, and some say Sunday, and some say other days, and there's all of these arguments. And traditional Sabbath, when we're talking about the Jews, the people of God, it would have began on Friday evening at sundown and would have gone all the way until three stars appeared in the sky the following Saturday evening. So for a 24-hour-plus period. Sunday came into play as as a time to practice sabbath or to gather and worship um, together because sunday was the day that christ rose from the dead and so those early christ followers from uh that, that were coming out of of judaism they were still gathering together to practice the sabbath from sundown friday to sundown saturday but then they were also coming together on sunday morning to together together to worship and to celebrate because that was the day that christ rose from the dead and so tradition that carried uh, carried on um, in, in evangelical Christian and other Christian circles that carried on um, as part of our rhythm and routine and we, we even as a culture many cultures begin to shape their work week around it to where we would we would not have businesses open and and things taking place and many people not working on Sunday and we know that over the past 20 30 years or so in my lifetime that that has drastically shifted in terms of our outlook on on separating sunday as the day for sabbath rest we've we've kind of shifted that over the past two or three decades when it comes to the way that we view sunday as the particular day for the sabbath this is what paul says in romans 14 In verse 5, he says in the same way, some think one day is more holy than another day, while others think every day is alike. You should each be fully convinced that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Whichever day you choose, ultimately, Sabbath, it doesn't matter what day you're choosing as long as you are choosing a day. And so we're gathered here this morning in this house, not because it's the Sabbath, but because traditionally Christians would gather on Sunday morning in order to celebrate the fact that Jesus rose from the dead on Sunday morning. But there are churches all over that meet Sunday morning, Sunday night, Saturday, Friday, Monday, Thursday, Wednesday. It doesn't matter as long as we are putting those practices into our regular schedule and there's some that would make the argument that sabbath that it's it's an it's an old testament it is a it's an old covenant requirement and so now that we're under the new covenant because of jesus and because of the new testament that that we're not required to keep a sabbath any longer and, and I'll concede that up to a point. I will concede that the Sabbath no longer exists as it did in the days before for, for man to, to put himself in right standing before the Father. And that, that through ceasing to, to, to uh, participate in those regular work, day act to work week activities, that that positioned them to kind of earn God's favor. We no longer have to do that. There's nothing that we can do to earn his favor. Jesus earned it once and for all on the cross. And for those of us that have, we've surrendered our lives to him and we are covered by the blood of Jesus. We can no longer do anything to position ourselves in that way. We can't earn good standing with God because of our works. It's not about us following any rules under the new covenant. We are are separated from the law and we are under grace instead. But to those people that would say Sabbath is no longer a requirement under the new covenant, I would ask, then why are we so busy and tired all the time? You may say that it's not a big deal, and you may say that there's a theological loophole that gets us out of that requirement, but I would ask, is it the best way to live? And what if there is a better way? What if, looking back to the pattern and the principle that was established throughout the Old Testament and the people of God through the nation of Israel, what if that is the best way for us to live in these modern times and here's the good news if you try this out and it doesn't work for you go back to being busy and tired if that's what you want Colossians 2 Paul writes this he says so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. see there's that loophole right there It says, for these rules are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Ultimately, what he's pointing to is that because of Christ's work on the cross, you and I, we are given the rest of God. And and what it's really pointing to is not so much rest here on this earth, but he's pointing to our eternal rest in heaven, that through Christ we are now accepted as his sons and daughters, as God's sons and daughters, and that we have a place in heaven for all eternity with the Father. Some would see that and they would argue and they would, they, would, they would hear those arguments about, well, if it's not required under the new covenant, like I got to be honest, like my schedule is already overwhelmed. I've already got so much to do. And, and what the Sabbath is doing is it's, it's helping us to push back. It's helping us to fight against the temptation of believing that you and I were ever capable of doing it all on our own in the first place. That's what the Sabbath exists for. In Galatians chapter 4, Paul writes this, He says, before you Gentiles knew God, you were slaves. Sound familiar? You were slaves to so-called gods that do not even exist. So now that you know God, or should I say, now that God knows you, why do you want to go back again and become slaves once more to the weak and useless spiritual principles of this world? It is clear that the world's way is not working. And so if that's not working, why do we continue to live that way? Instead, we need to look for a better way. And the better way has presented itself, and it's right here for us in the Scriptures. Ultimately, it's akin to the tithe. We talk about returning the first 10% of our income back to God because we believe that God can do more in and through us on 90% that is is blessed by him and 10% that's returned to him. It's all his anyways, so we're just giving him back his portion. We believe that we can do more on 90% that's blessed by God than 100% that isn't. And so I just happen to believe that we can do more on six days that are blessed by God than seven days that aren't. If you don't believe me, go check out the stats of Chick-fil-A and see how they compare to other restaurants where they've taken a firm stand in this modern age that we're not going to be open on Sundays for one day a week. And instead, we're going to conduct our business in six days. Go look at how they compare statistically to other restaurants in that same vein and see what is happening for them. It's all about this idea that you've heard me talk about a bunch. It's open-handed living that we're not holding on to things. Instead, we're, we're opening our hands and we're giving back to God and we're going uh, to be generous with our time and our talent and our treasure and our testimony. And what happens is, is when we take the posture of giving, it positions us to be able to receive. It's the same thing. Open hand, it allows us to give. It also allows us to receive. Robert Morris, in his book, Take the Day Off, he says this. He says, the Sabbath isn't a religious chore you have to do so God won't be mad at you. It's a gift that God has instructed you to give yourself so you can be his healthy, productive, long-lived representative to a broken world and accomplish everything he put you on this earth to do. How does that sound? Anybody wanna be healthy, productive, productive? Long-lived, anybody want to be able to accomplish what the Lord has placed them on this earth to do? The secret, the key to unlocking that is the Sabbath. Jesus said it himself in Mark chapter 2. He said, The Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. It's not about us fulfilling a bunch of rules. It's about us positioning ourselves to receive the gift of rest that our Heavenly Father so desperately wants to give us. That's it. And so God says there's a couple instructions for you when it comes to the Sabbath. In order to position yourself that way, there's a couple things that you need to do. We read them in Exodus 30, You or Exodus 20. You said them aloud. If you're taking notes, write these down. The first thing we need to do is to remember. We need to remember. He said, remember to observe the Sabbath. They remember the Sabbath. We remember on the Sabbath day, it's a time to, to cease and, and to remember, to call to mind, to bring to our attention both past, present, and future. We remember the past that God's people were delivered out of their slavery in Egypt. We remember presently that we are being delivered from the power of sin through Christ's work on the cross. And this sounds really strange, but we remember in the future tense that because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross, we are being delivered. We're going to be delivered from from the, the struggle and the strain and the evil and the wickedness of this world when we take that step into eternity so it's a call to remember the second thing he says not only remember the Sabbath but he says keep it holy keep it holy holy means to be set apart or to be made whole we we keep it holy both in a past a present and a future tense as well We remember that the Israelites were delivered from their bondage to slavery in Egypt and they were kept holy by making it into the promised land. That's where they became complete and whole when they stepped into the blessings and the gift, the inheritance that God had for them. We remember in the present that we've been delivered from sin by Christ's work on the cross. And presently, we are kept whole by the person of Jesus himself in whom we find our rest. He is our inheritance. He is our portion here in the, presence, in the present as we interact with his presence. And then we remember in the future that we are being delivered from the evil and wickedness of this world and that we are going to be kept whole and made whole forever as we step into heaven for all of eternity and we lay claim to that eternal life. It's in these areas that God's people are positioned as they remember to then be made whole. That's why we keep the Sabbath and there's a promise that comes along with this the promise is found in Isaiah 58 verses 13 and 14 I love this passage it says keep the Sabbath day holy don't pursue your own interests on that day now let me let me stop right there that doesn't mean you can't do anything fun on the Sabbath. That doesn't mean that you can't, uh, because you're you're quickly going to see that that if we took that approach, it would it would kind of negate what's coming next. He's talking about is don't pursue your own. What's our natural interest? Our natural interest is sin. Our natural uh, interest is the thing that, that pulls us away from the Father. Our natural interest, based on the way that you and I are choosing to live, based on the way that we've identified ourselves, our natural interests are busy and tired. He's saying, don't choose that stuff. Don't choose one more text, one more email, one more phone call, one more conference. Don't choose any of that stuff. Instead, choose something that is contrary to your own interests on that day he says don't pursue your own interests on that day but enjoy the sabbath and speak of it with delight as the lord's holy day honor the sabbath and everything you do on that day and don't follow your own desires or talk idly. Our own desires is to, to get ahead here on earth. It's to become more wealthy, more powerful, more successful, more famous, more of the things of this world. It's that pursuit of mammon. That is our initial desire. He's saying, don't follow your own desires. And if you do this, he says, then the Lord will be your delight. He says, I will give you great honor. What he's talking about, maybe in your translation, he talks about being lifted up. What he's saying is, I'm gonna raise you up to a place of honor. I'm going to lift you up so that you'll be able to overcome the trials and the tribulations and the temptations of this world. And instead, I'm going to satisfy you with the with the inheritance that I promised you. You're going to find that satisfaction does not come from the empty pursuits that this world has to offer. Instead, it comes from me and I love of this he says i the lord have spoken makes me think of the mandalorian i have spoken he put a period on it that's it it's not up for debate there is no argument it's that's it i the lord have spoken this is how it is we're not talking about it anymore that's what he says he says the Lord will be your delight. Well, what does that mean? There's this other passage in Psalms that tells us about this. Maybe you've heard of it before. You might just not have known where it was. You've probably quoted this to try to get your own way at some point. It says, take delight. There it is. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Oh, man. Name it and claim it theology right there, right? That's not what we're talking about here this morning. What happens is, is as we take delight in the Lord, as we choose to surrender our way and live his way, then all of a sudden our hearts desires the things that we want to be wealthy and powerful and successful and on and on and on here by, by worldly standards. Those things begin to dissipate. And instead we begin to, to want the things that God wants for us. And as we as we choose to live his way, we position ourselves not to receive the things that we want because the things that we want are stupid. They're empty. They're going to lead us to death and destruction. But God's wanting to give us the things that are going to last. And he's saying, I've got this gift of rest. You don't have to be busy. You don't have to be tired. You don't have to live your life this way anymore. I've got so much more for you if you'll just pursue me instead of Mammon. If you'll just take this time and cease and rest and celebrate if you will delight in me then I'm going to give you something that you didn't even know you wanted but it's going to be so much better than anything you've ever had that's what God has in store for his people and when you think about it it makes sense because ultimately what is our desire it's to not be so busy and tired right? It's to be full. It's to be whole. It's to be complete. That's Jesus' mission. That's why he came to this earth. He said it in John 10. 10. He says, the thief has come to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come to give you life in all of its fullness, its wholeness, its completeness, its holiness. That's what we're talking about. Holiness. He wants us to be holy. And whether we've connected the dots e-e, consciously or subconsciously, that drive, that desire is there. We want to live for something more than what we are currently getting. We want to live for more than this. Surely there's more than this. Chances are you've thought about that At some point in your life, you've looked around at your situation, your circumstance, and you thought, there's got to be more than this. That's what God is offering to you and to me. He's giving us a way to live for something more. Our desire is not to live a life that has us chasing after these empty pursuits that leave us unfulfilled uh, unfulfilled, and cause us feeling busy and tired all the time. And if that's the case, then Sabbath becomes the remedy for that. Sabbath becomes both the thing at the end of the week that we lean on and the thing at the beginning of the week that we launch from. It's the thing that we lean on and the thing that we launch from. You could say that Sabbath is the inspiration for and the destination of our aspiration, which is to be whole, to be whole, to not be missing or lacking or found wanting. It's to be completely holy. So the question is, in the few minutes that I have left, is how do we do this? how do we do this? Very simply, we do it by keeping our tanks full. Keeping our tanks full. You can think about it like you're driving around in a car. The fuel light comes on. You know it's time to stop, to pull in to the gas station so that you don't run out of gas. Guess what? I don't think that God meant for us to even live in a situation where our fuel light comes on. I think that he meant for us to live in a, in, in a way and has provided a way that, that not only would our tanks be full, but that they would be, we'd constantly be topping them off and that they would be overflowing. That's the life that God has for us. So if you're taking notes, four tanks, that the Sabbath helps us to keep full or helps us to, to overflow these come from an idea that's presented in Pastor Robert Morris's book, Take the Day Off. If you're looking for a great read, I got it for our council this, this past Christmas, and um, hopefully they've read it. It's awesome. Uh, one, of my, one of my favorite books. It's super challenged me, but he talks about these four tanks that we've got to keep full. They're listed right here. Spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. Spiritual, physical, emotional, and mental. Mental. This is what the Sabbath was put into place for. It's to keep these tanks full and overflowing. And if we can keep these tanks full and overflowing, then we will be living that full life of holiness that the Lord is talking about. So how do we do that? Our spiritual tank. Yeah, church, that's part of it. Being here, corporate worship, joining in online, whatever that looks like in your setting. That's definitely a piece of that. It's also Bible reading it's prayer. It's serving other people. We have a ton of serve teams that help to make this happen. There's an opportunity for you to do that, to be a part of that. It's how, that that's how it's, it's a spiritual discipline. It's something that we practice spiritually. And what we don't realize is that, or what a lot of people don't realize is that when they serve, they actually get more out of it than the people that they're serving get out of it because it's a spiritual thing. God just does something, and instead of depleting our tank, he will use that to fill our tank. It's it's, it's practicing spiritual disciplines. That's That's what the spiritual aspect of this looks like, reading the Bible and praying, engaging in our relationship with God. It's a spiritual tank. The physical tank, take a nap. No amens on that. Okay, no, you're like... You're like we are anti-naps. How dare you preach such heresy in the church? Take a nap. Come on. Maybe do a little exercise. Club 14 Fitness. What what? Um, get to the gym. Go for a run. If you're like me, go for a mosey. You know. <laughs> I don't run unless zombies are chasing me. And even then, I'm like, mm, you can just eat me. like, yeah, <laughs> Just have your way. But what I do love to do, where are my yard work people at? We're, we're a weird bunch. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But, man, there is just something about getting out and mowing the grass and trimming. And, and, and you got that clean line. Mm, man, that just fills my tank. No, I will not come mow your grass. <laughs> Mowing my yard fills my tank. Mowing your grass does not. Eat a good meal. Like a, like some comfort food, like something that's like not a salad. All right. Sabbath does not equal salad. Sabbath equals like lasagna. Or fried chicken or you know, eat a good meal, something that's gonna stick with you a little bit. That's how we fill our physical tank, number three, the emotional tank. Engage in relationships. You need to spend time with other people. That's why it's so important for you to be in a life group so that you can you can have regular interaction with other people. You can spend time with them. Spend time with family and friends. I think one of the greatest things that you and I could do for our relationship with Jesus and to keep our tank full is to at least one time a week gather our friends and our family around the table and share a meal together. No phones, no TV, just talking and just being together and enjoying what is. That's Sabbath. Maybe you want to pray, maybe you want to take communion, you want to light some candles. You can make it as fancy or as low-key as you possibly want, but that would just do us all good. I envision our church like going out into the highways and the byways and neighborhoods and communities all over our county and just groups of people just meeting in homes and all that they're doing is they're gathering around a table and they're eating a meal and they're praying for one another. I think that would honestly I think that would change the face of our uh, uh, of of our city. I believe that. I believe that. And it would fill our emotional tank in the process. Husbands, wives, you know, have sex. That's going to fill your emotional tank. Congratulations. If you are the husband, you get all four of your tanks filled by doing that one act. We can talk about this in church. That's right. You want to give the devil a black eye? Mm-hmm. Come together as one, as husband and wife. Invest emotionally, physically. Put that effort into your relationship and see if your tank doesn't get filled. See if your marriage doesn't get better. That's how God designed it. And you can look back, that's not just something that I made up. You can study all the way back into the the, the Jewish tradition. That That was something that they included as part of their Sabbath time as they engaged in relationship with the people that were around them. They made that a primary focus for Sabbath within their marriage because it filled their tank. It fills their tank. If it doesn't fill your tank, you might not be doing it right that was for free <laughs> married couples only married couples only your mental take read a book other than the bible other than something having to do with work like what like something outside the realm of what you do for a living like read something where you just kind of kind of put your brain in neutral and it's just it's just fun maybe it's a Maybe it's history, maybe you like, maybe you like fiction or not, I don't know, whatever it is, but something that, that, that might just be of interest to you. Watch a movie, go to or watch a sporting event, participate in a hobby. Maybe it's fishing, maybe it's woodworking, maybe it's crafting or do something that you're not really having to, to think about from the standpoint of your job so you're able to focus your energies elsewhere. Keep your spiritual tank full, your physical tank full, your emotional tank full, your mental tank full. Everybody's different. There's different activities that are going to fill these tanks. But the idea is, is that we're taking time on the Sabbath to be sure that these tanks are full so that this is the place that we can live and function from out of the overflow of those tanks. Here's the big idea for today. It's this. Keeping the Sabbath holy keeps me holy. That's it. Keeping the Sabbath holy keeps me holy. Keeping the Sabbath consecrated and set apart where it has its place. And it's not just being smushed together with all the other Play-Doh colors to turn into a brown yucky mess. Keeping it holy. Keeping it separate. Keeping it consecrated. Doing the things necessary in order to fill our tank. Keeping it holy. Keeping it set apart. Keeps us holy. Holy by making us whole. Keeping the Sabbath holy separates our lifestyle and values as believers from those of the rest of the world. Keeping the Sabbath holy causes us to slow down and to focus on the things in our lives that are the most important. Keeping the Sabbath holy helps us to overcome the temptation, believing the lie that we are capable of doing it all on our own. Keeping the Sabbath holy positions us to receive the gift of rest that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 11. You wanna experience that kind of rest in your life? Keep the Sabbath holy. The first step that you can take towards that is by putting faith in Jesus as a Lord and savior. If you're here this morning, if you're watching with us online and you haven't done that, you haven't surrendered your life to a relationship with Christ and you haven't stepped out and and begun to choose to live life his way instead of your own way, I wanna invite you to do that right now. You can pray this prayer along with me. It's it's gonna be on the screen next to me. Can we just pray this together? Heavenly Father, I admit that I'm a sinner and that I'm lost without you. I believe that Jesus died in my place, making a way for us to have a relationship. And I choose to follow Jesus and his way for the rest of my life. Now, Father, I pray blessing upon your people today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to to move beyond the lives that we're living where everything bleeds together, where there is no margin, there is no separation, but instead that we would be purposeful and intentional about practicing Sabbath in our lives. That you would, as we do so, Lord, that you would fill our spiritual tank. God, that you would fill our our tank up physically, God, mentally and emotionally, that our tanks would not just be filled, but that they would be overflowing and that we would not live from a place of empty to empty to empty, but instead we would live from a place of overflowing to overflowing. Lord, as we take delight in you, we pray that you would do what your word says. Lord, that you would raise us up, that you would give us honor, and that you would satisfy. Lord, as we delight in you, help our desires to become your desires. Not what we want, but the things that you want for us. Help us to be purposeful and intentional about not making time, because we can't do that, but taking time to give back to you so that we can receive the gift of rest that you so desperately want to give each and every one of us. Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen, amen your homework for this week. Take time for Sabbath. Maybe you can't do a day, okay? Start with half a day. Maybe you can't do half a day, do two hours. Maybe you can't do two hours, start with an hour, something, and just say, God, I'm consecrating this time for you. And then use it to participate in activities that are going to fill those four tanks that we talked about. As you do that, I promise, life will be better. Life will be better. Your relationship with Christ will be stronger. Your connections with family and friends will be deeper. And what's going to happen as you continue to practice that week after week after week, all of a sudden, the things of this world that seem so important start to fade into the distance. And the things that God says are important become clearer and clearer and clearer. That's where we need to lean in. That's what will change your family. That's what will change your marriage. That's what will change our community. If we will be a people that says, we're not gonna do things the world's way. Instead, we're gonna do things God's way. We're done with being busy and tired. This is the way out. Let's put it to practice. Let's keep those tanks full and let's live differently. Amen, amen.